Welcome to the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am joined over FaceTime by my fantastic co-host Kristen Voughton. Hello! We are also joined by the beautiful Cecilia Matas. Welcome back Cecilia. Thank you guys! Thanks for having me again. Yes! So we are stoked to have you here. Yes, so good. So Cecilia has recently come back from Europe on a big adventure, running a long way, and we are here to talk about that. I think we're just going to dive into quick fire first of all, though, and then we can talk about what this really means. So I'm going to start with the first one. Um, this is going to test your knowledge, Cecilia. Oh God! <laughs> so your <laughs> immediate pressure now. <laughs> you were you were in Europe running 100 kilometers in the Alps in a race called CCC, which is part of the UTMB festival. Can you tell us what CCC stands for? Oh, that's one I know. That stands for uh, Cormayor Champelac Chamonix. Nice one. Nice. So that's and, the, yeah, what are the route that the race goes via, or like this towns that the race goes through like the main big towns yeah so it's the towns that they go through not like the actual mountain like peaks or anything no, like that, right no that's what mm. i understood as well all right the time it took you to run said 100 kilometers of ccc 14 hours 17 minutes far out that's fast oh my god <laughs> and also just to add in there it was 100 kilometers through the mountains i'm totally detouring already how many meters of vert did you cover in that time oh uh, it's something six thousand meters um yeah yeah okay. yeah and <laughs> something similar downhill as well which yeah. we must not forget because that's also hard especially when it's steep absolutely yeah we will yeah. definitely come on to that all right next one a shout out to your crew Oh, Tom, my beloved Tom, he's amazing. He did so good. Like, yeah, without him, I don't know. I would be have been all over the place. No, but Tom, he's a star and a very, very good uh, sidekick to have. I loved the Love video Sarah posted. Maybe you just sent it. I don't know if you actually posted it or anything. But that finish line with you and Tom was... <laughs> Oh, it was so sweet. <laughs> oh, it was so nice. And he, like, I was proud of myself, but he was also super proud of myself. And it was just one of those moments. It's just like, oh my God, we did it. I did it. He did it. We did it together. It was awesome. That's so good. I love that. That came through so much. Such a team effort. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, with your crew, and we also had a food conversation just before we actually went like before we press record what was the food that you consumed throughout the race um that was morton gels and sis gels and two cliff bars that's it and then like a fruit baby food like fruit pouch and a little bit of watermelon and orange at an aid station and then some Morton hydrolyte or electrolyte energy mixing and water. Yeah. There you go. Is the Morton stuff, is that like liquid calories? Yes. And 
Yeah, it was actually the first time I tried it. I was about to say, I have never worked with this with you and I've crewed for you. So (laughs) where did this come from? Well, it came from that we didn't have any more tailwind and I didn't have any infinite nutrition. I just hadn't brought like any stuff from Australia. And then I kind of had to find something at the expo in Chamonix and I... Again, like we thought about ordering tailwind and stuff, but then it never happened because we were on holiday and I don't know, traveling around and going all places. So I just decided that I'll be fine with some other stuff. Wow. And were you? Was your stuff yeah. okay? We'll get into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. Um, I thought it worked good. Wow. That's brave. For that... anybody not doing like um, a lot of running distances, basically everybody says like, don't try anything new on race day. That's like shoes, equipment, gear, and most nutrition. importantly, nutrition. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, we can get into it later. Like see, um, being in Europe, like everybody kind of has this whole thing of, um, you know, at, at all of the A stations, they have like food, um, meat and cheese and like random bits of bread kicking around everywhere. So it's not <coughs> what you're used to. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went with an entirely different like thing of that as well. I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of how I roll. I don't know. I trust my body and I usually like don't say never ever. It's probably going to hit me one day, but I've always been good with whatever nutrition. So I was like, I'll be fine. And I, that yeah. in itself is a gift, I would say, because I like my stomach when we're totally quick fire is gone. But anyway, <laughs> my like my fear in any race would be my stomach big more than anything. So it's just be like, yeah, sure, I'll just adopt this new nutrition. We can come back to that. But yeah. good on you. I love it. Totally. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next one. So um CCC is part of the bigger UTMB festival. There are various races within it and it attracts like the world stage when it comes to runners. Did you have any fangirl moments? Um, I like anyone who like I saw who was doing it. I wasn't wasn't anything specific. Um, I just thought people as humans and everyone is as cool. So I didn't really reflect on that at all. Actually, um, yeah, I just thought that anyone who was brave enough to stand on the start line and give it a nut. Like, yeah, and I talked to a few people at the uh, start line as well, and so many were, like, so nervous. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. It's crazy because it's so big. Like, you don't realize maybe how big it is for some people. Um, Yeah, so it was, yeah, nothing specific. I just thought that everyone was super cool and amazing. Love it. Yeah, for good reason. Everybody is super cool and amazing, and... I could see why people would be nervous standing on that start line. It is a, a massive deal, and there's a lot of people who are in it. Again, all this stuff that we can get into. Yeah. <laughs> what was a highlight for you? Oof. What was the During hi- the race, it could be just around the event in general. I think it, a highlight must have been the finish line. Mm. Like, oh, it just so, especially when you do it for the first time. It's like something so special. And when you're not used to a race like that and the terrain and stuff, I don't know. It's just so amazing to come to the finish line. Like 
I was just so like, I can't believe I actually did it and had a good day out there. Um, yeah, so that would be it. I love this. And I reckon when when we publish this episode, I'll post in our Instagram stories the video of Cecilia finishing because <laughs> you finished so strong, you freaking jumped over the finish line and then your partner Tom was there. It was just like I was just crying again watching you finish another 100 <laughs> kilometer race. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. All right. <clears throat> so with that in mind, I have Kruji for a couple of 100 kilometer races. You are incredible with your attitude. You're always so positive. Even when things are like tough, you are just so upbeat and like so present. Can you think of any particular low moment from the race? Oof. Low moment. I don't, uh, I can't say... Like it was hard at the end. The last twenty k's were hard, um, but you like I wouldn't specifically say that there was a specific low moment. At that point, it was kind of hard, all of it. Um, but like one thing that I remember that maybe was a surprise for me was that in the beginning of the race, like there's obviously a lot of people, like it's around, they say nine two thousand nine hundred to 2,000 um, runners that start the triple C. And so there's a lot of people out on course, especially in the beginning. And I was just overwhelmed with how many people there are like around me. Yeah. And coming from Australia and Australian races, you're not really used to having a lot of people around you. Um, so that was a surprise. I, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if, if I like this. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just so many like behind and in front, people going past, which is okay. And me passing people. But that just kind of took quite a bit of en energy. And I was like, oh, I just want to run and... Yeah. I've heard about the start line of CCC and UTMB, and mm -hmm. I don't know if it tapers off very quickly or anything, but everybody kind of makes this, like, full blast the first, like, maybe one to five K. I, I forget how much it is. And there's people who have poles that are already out, and so you're kind of mm -hmm. getting stabbed on the way. Like, it sounds chaos where, mm -hmm. yeah, like what you mentioned here in Australia – you show up to the start line of a trail race and everybody's like, no, 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 you go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's just so quaint and small. So it seems very different and nothing that I think, I don't even think we've got thousands of people in any event that are in Australia at any given time. So yeah, that would be a whole different yeah. experience. Yeah. It's funny. So that was, yeah, a surprise, but it um, got better, like maybe around, I don't know, 40 Ks, 30, 40 Ks. It was more spread out, so I really enjoyed like the last bit, and I was like, okay, this is good. But I guess it was just because I'm not. That was the first time I've been surrounded by so many people for a long time, so I think that was just something I didn't expect and a bit shocked about. But yeah, so if that could be a low point, no, you don't even have to have a low point. But yeah, it's something that's different, and I actually. I watched some of the live coverage and that was one thing I noticed was I was like, whoa, there are people running in packs everywhere. And again, you just don't see, I always think of like how lonely, not lonely, but how alone you can be on the trail in races here. And it was just packs of people. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Feeling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we, yep. What, another one. 
<laughs> My <culture. laughs> All right, so we threw in a random one. Well, Sarah threw in a random one, which is a pretty good question. If you could speak every language in the world or talk to animals, which would you choose? And this is coming from you just being in Europe as well. And you speaking various languages, to be fair. <laughs> Oof. I have to, I don't have a dog, but if I had a dog, I would love to speak to my dog. They've got so, really interesting but, things to say, I think. <laughs> yeah. So I have to say languages, different languages, so I could interact with like different people from different places in the world. I think that would be quite cool. Nice. Yeah. I love that. And you are already multilingual, so you're kind of, you're, you're nearly there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, do we want to do a compliment question, Kristen? Because I didn't put it in, but it's always nice. Oh, yeah. Anyways. Cecilia, yeah. I'm not going to give any background to this, but just, you know, before we kick into it, would you like to please give yourself a compliment? Um, yes, of course. I have so many, so I'm not sure which one I'm going to choose. <laughs> I love that. You give yourself many compliments. We have all night, Cecilia. <laughs> it's pretty much a compliment festival anyways. <laughs> well, um, I like that I'm easygoing and mostly positive and loving. Yeah, three. I'm happy with three there. And very accurate as well. I love it. Thank you. All right. You made it through the not quick fire, quick fire round. <laughs> we got there. Kristen, do you want to lead the next bit? Sure. So in kind of the format of the podcast, we kind of go through the quick fire questions. If this is your very first time listening. And generally we have a bit of an origin story. We should have actually, um, we did this as well with Megan's. If you want Cecilia's specific origin story go back to episode what was it seven six something like that just give me a second i've got it up uh five five <laughs> go back to episode five for cecilia's main origin story but in the um uh, spirit of the podcast give a bit of an origin story on the event that you just did so you can talk about ccc and maybe a bit of utmb and how it all ties in yeah, so UTMB is a big event, one of the biggest in the world, I would say, um, which attracts uh, some of the best trail runners in the world. And it has different um, courses. So there's the UTMB, which is the main one, which is 171Ks. And then we have the second biggest would be the 100K, but in between there, there's also TDS, which is 145 kil kilometers. And then they also do OCC, which is 55 and shorter ones as well. Like there's a 15K. I can't remember what that one is called. Um, but yeah, it's a massive event in Chamonix, France. And uh, yeah, goes through the surrounding countries, Italy and uh, Switzerland. And yeah, I thought it would be cool to go and run there and do the 100k. And I had enough ITRA points to bypass the lottery. Um, so I bought myself an entry and 
since me and Tom were going to travel in Europe uh, for the summer anyway, uh, we tied that in with our holiday. So that was kind of the end of our holiday to uh, go there and see what all the fuss is about. I love it. And how many competitors did you say there were in CCC? Uh, 1,900 to 2,000. And then, so for perspective, one of the stats I pulled, thanks to Trail Society podcast, shout out to those ladies being a good thing, is that the female starters in CCC were 16% of the field, with 14% of finishers being women. And that is an improvement on last year, which was 10% of the field. So when you think of those numbers, it is wild how small the female participation is in that event it is even yeah and did you feel that when you were running did like was it very noticeable um yes obviously you saw more men out there compared to women Uh, I saw a few women but yeah definitely more men and also when you walk at the start line because it's so packed with people there's a lot of men around um yeah so yeah it's pretty shocking that it's so like little it is so little and then utmb which stands for ultra trail mont blanc if we haven't said it's the 105 mile race it only had 139 female finishers which was seven percent of the field so even smaller at that distance and that seems to be the trend in trail running i know we've touched on it previously but the longer you go it seems to be the smaller the female representation but like for such a huge event it is pretty wild when you think about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great that Triple uh, C had more females this year. But um, obviously, it would be cool if there was even more. Yeah, it would. And do you want to talk to us a little bit about the landscape that you're running through? So it's uh, very mountainous, obviously. And some parts are technical a bit rocky here and there and yeah some uphills are like really steep and also steep down but um oh it's so beautiful now when I think about it um I don't know how else I would describe it what was the weather like when you ran it oh it was good actually it was nice in the morning they said that it was gonna rain I can't remember how many degrees it was but I don't think it was that cold um but yes it was good when we started and then maybe 25 case in it started pouring down or 20 case in it started pouring down like heaps of water that was pretty cool i enjoyed that um but then the trails got slippery so we needed to be careful of that as well um a bit muddy but then that was also cool like you could see like thunderstorms around like the mountains but it never really got to us, but you could see in the distance, which was super cool. And you could also hear the thunder. That was really cool. But um, then eventually the rain stopped and it was really nice. And the sun even popped out for a little bit and then went back into cloud. And it was good the rest of the run and the night as well. Yeah, nice. This seems like a silly question for... um for a lot of people because most races will start very early in the morning, maybe like 5, 6, or 7 a.m., but UTMB um, starts quite late in the evening, I think like 5 or 6, six o'clock or something like that. Does CCC start in the morning? 
Uh, yes, at nine. At nine. Okay. So a bit, a bit of a later start still, especially in Europe where the sun probably would have been up, what, since about like six or seven, you're kind of kicking around. Yeah. Like Megan with Western States, they start, I think at like five or 6 a.m. or something. Um, yeah. So a little bit different as well. Did you notice any difference from a bit of a later start? It wasn't significant or anything like that. Uh, not really. Cause also to get to Cormayor from Chamonix, you need to take the bus, go through the tunnel and stuff. Um, and also we had time slots that we needed to book prior uh, to uh, doing the race. And if you booked it late, you needed to take an earlier time slot. So when you come to Cormayor, I think I had like two hours extra to wait until the start, which that's a bit like, oh, okay, now I'm just going to walk around here and hang around. But they have a, like a big center where you can go and sit like a sports center and yeah people kind of hanging around eating their breakfast I also brought with me my porridge that I had at at Cormayor but yeah so it went quickly and I also got busy with looking for some mandatory gear so the time just flew all of a sudden yeah so tell us about that because we know when we interviewed with you before you had recently won UTA 100 and yeah. you started without your you had to realize you didn't have your gloves so there's a bit of a theme here. What happened in this instance? Well, here I didn't have my whistle. Oh, and the yeah. whistle that comes attached to your hydration pack, which is a given, right, Cecilia? So yeah. What, happened? what did you do? Yeah, well, clearly I took it off at some point. <laughs> and who does that? Like, I oh, I, my didn't... Hydration pack. I don't know if I actually have one. <laughs> I bet you do. Like, yeah, just, it'll be some tiny bit of plastic, but oh. I bet it's there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I did check my mandatory gear and everything, but I didn't check that bit because I was like, it's in the pack. It's on stuck on the pack. But then in the bus, I don't know why, I looked down and I was thinking and I was like, oh, I need to check which side the whistle is on in case I need to show it at when if they do any mandatory checks. And I started looking for it on which side it is and couldn't find it. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, I don't, I don't think I have it. And then somehow in my brain, I get this memory of like that I looked at it if it's actually stuck somehow. And I remember that I took it off to just check if you can take it off. But clearly I haven't put it back and I have no idea where I have put it. So there we are again, not fully having all the mandatory gear. And obviously people are like, oh, oh, well, like you, you'll probably be fine. But what if I won't be fine? And I'm also like trying to do like a good like as a good race as I can um and then I get stopped for a thing like that for I don't know 10 minutes or something um it's just one of those things that you can want to save um if you can or have uh, obviously um so yeah I had to start looking for my whistle <laughs> I didn't know that story <laughs> that you didn't have your whistle <laughs> yeah and no I guess I guess for context, like if you haven't raced these events, there are these huge mandatory gear lists. And I don't know how huge it is to be honest for CCC. I'm thinking because it's a mountain race, it's probably pretty significant for safety. But the big thing is, I mean, again, if you don't know Cecilia, Cecilia is a very strong runner. And I know Cecilia, you were like, you put all your heart into it and you were going for a good place. Mm. And if you are stopped at a check and you don't have your gear, you could be disqualified. So 
to to have trained for however many months you've trained for and then to get out there and to be stopped because you don't have a tiny whistle would be pretty shit <laughs> yeah or get a usually they like give you a time penalty or then you need to find mm. like that somebody needs to give you that piece of gear that you don't have um and i already sent tom a message i'm like don't panic it's all good but yeah. i don't have my whistle he's like okay <laughs> I feel like here we go again tom's used to this yeah. tom being in the military and having just like the best planning ever is like oh here we go <laughs> yeah and he has me who don't like planning too much and just wants to go with the flow and da 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 da. Anyway, I was like, this will be fine. I will sort it out. I'm going to walk to some people and ask people if they ha- happen to have an extra one. And I was first targeting the volunteers because I'm like, surely they have a whistle. Like if they need to like, I don't know, whistle to someone to get their attention or something. But no, and they're like, a whistle, no, no, nobody had one. I was like, oh. And then at the start line, because I went up there to look at it, I saw that they did some random gear checks on people. So I was like, oh, God, I need to stay away from there. Um, So I just went away from that whole area and just asked people that were, like, hanging out at the um, sports hub uh, or sports house, whatever you call it, and... Yeah, I started asking people and then no one had an extra and they're all like, oh, but you have one on your Salomon pack. And I'm like, no, I don't because I took it off. Um, anyway, I messaged Sam Stowe from Sunshine Coast because he was, um, yeah, he was going to run CCC as well and was also there. I was like, I'll message him to ask if he happened to have an extra one. Uh, and he didn't have one, but then his friend, Chris Kane, also Brisbane, uh, Brisbane-based runner, and he happened to have an extra one, so <laughs> I got one from him. I was like, "This is so good! It like, thank you, out. you saved me!" Yeah, good old community. Oh, so good. I love it. That's yeah, so I will always be grateful for that. Thank you, Chris, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And then I guess when it comes to like still talking about the course a little bit, um, you obviously have aid stations along the way. The one thing I noticed from, so Tom posted some videos, was that this ain't no Sunshine Coast aid station. Like, do you want to talk about how frequently they occur when you saw Tom? And also like, what was the aid station experience like? Because it looked so busy and so huge. I don't know if that's fair to say, but I would love to hear um yeah so i could only see like the people running triple c they could only see their crew for the first time in champagne lac which is at the 53k point so that's a long way um so a lot of people are having their own nutrition in their pack from the start to last them that long if they're not just gonna rely um on the food that they serve at the aid stations. No drop uh, them. No. And they were quite frequently, they had aid stations like on, on the Champelac. I can't remember how many, maybe three, four. But yes, I always filled up like water there and took some melon and orange. But um, yeah, they were like good aid stations, super helpful. And obviously the aid stations where crew could see us, they were way bigger. And, um, yeah, 
the food, like the nutrition, what they served, I wasn't really impressed by that lemon and no lemon, uh, orange and watermelon is always nice. But um, then they just had some, I don't know, look like a crappy muesli bar and some Mars bars and some pieces of meat, which probably some Italians and French people love. But it just wasn't maybe my cup of tea. Um, yeah, but I saw some other people complained about it too. But obviously it's not cheap to organize a race like that. So they do their best and that was their best. So, um, yeah. But I was happy to just carry my own nutrition, which I usually do anyway. And yeah, and obviously they also had the aid stations, like with the, if you had any issues, uh, like a cut up knee or something, like they seem to be very helpful with that as well. So yeah. And when I saw Tommy Champelac, um, obviously they're super strict with like when you can go into the tent and take out your stuff and prepare for your runner to come in. So that was very tricky for Tom because um, I didn't have a GPS beacon that you could hire from them. So you couldn't see exactly where I was. Um, yeah, but then he managed to like figure out when I'm coming in. And one time I also called him and yeah, it was fine after that. Um, yeah. And how far did Tom have to drive over the whole day? Uh, I don't know. We, it's not super long because you also need to try take the bus. Like uh, logistics yeah. is, there's so many logistics with yeah. this race. And uh, yeah, again, I leave my hat to Tom for like figuring stuff out and also making to places in time because the buses don't go super often either. And also there's a lot of people who need to go on the bus. Mm -hmm. And like you can drive to certain stations, but... For example, to get to Champelac, you had to take a bus there because the road is super gnarly and there's not enough um, space for cars to park up on the hill because it's up on a hill or a mountain, I mean. Um, yeah, but there was uh, a bit of driving for him. I actually don't know how much, but a few hours for sure. <laughs> Sounds like he did well, though, to uh, navigate all of that. So again, kudos to Tom. <laughs> Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And I wished I would maybe have tried to get a hold on some people who've been there before because it's really hard when you have no idea how anything works, and can you get away with driving to certain places, etc. So, yeah, it's great experience to know what we have in front of us if we go back next year. Um, but yeah, I feel for people who go there at the first time because it is a bit confusing. Um, some things. But yeah, yeah, there's four where people can ask questions and stuff on Facebook and so on. So now you'll be a veteran, but you came in this year as, you know, your very first time. Did it like, did you have expectations? Did they meet your expectations? Did you come in just totally like, I'm just going to take the whole experience in? Like, how did you come into this race? Yes. So I knew it was going to be big, but I didn't know what to expect. And I, I followed... Um, like uh, the UTMB uh, weekend and the races online, like on YouTube before. But yeah, you look at it and you it's like, it's not the same when you look on a screen as compared to when you are there. It's like so grand and so many people and at least everywhere and such a vibe, like at the Finnish area, like the whole town is just like, it's just like a festival. It's amazing. Um, 
but yeah, the expectations, uh, yeah, I didn't really have many expectations. And also race-wise for my race, um, I had expectations before I ran there the first time because we also went there training like a month before, something like that. We went there to run the course a bit and spend a few days there to get an idea of what I have ahead. And so I knew what how the course was going to be and how hard it was going to be. So before I haven't seen it, I was like, oh, I'm going to aim for top five. I was saying this probably as I signed up, like in January or something. And then I was like, oh, wow, there's going to be like a lot of very good and fast females there, like a lot of top athletes. I was like, oh, maybe top 10. Um, And then I actually ran on the course and I was like, oh, my God. If I, I just want to get to the finish line and have a good race and be happy running out there because, yeah, running those hills and in that environment, uh, it was for the first time, it was a slap in the face, if we say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I guess that's an important point. So, in terms of your prep and your lead up, you currently live in Newcastle in New South Wales probably doesn't resemble the Alps that much I would say uh, no <laughs> however uh, <laughs> however you were fortunate to travel to Europe beforehand do you want to talk a little bit about that time because although I know like it gave you some great training time you saw the course it was also family time it's obviously going home and the rest of it do you want to talk to us a little bit about that yeah so I uh, went to Europe in end of May and I was going to run uh my one race in finland which i hope to be my first like race in finland which i was super Mm. excited about because obviously uta got uh, postponed which i was gonna run this year as well so then i quickly changed my mind and was like okay i go home a bit earlier and then i run a race in finland but then i got sick uh the day before unfortunately uh not with covid just with a crazy flu which uh, doesn't surprise me in the end but um so that didn't happen and then yeah spent some time at home uh and then i met up tom in england in july so i spent the whole month in finland in june and traveled a bit with my parents and stuff and yeah so england hanged out with tom's family there then we went to yeah, to Chamonix to train for a week. And then we also uh, hired a van and traveled around in Italy um, to see the Dolomites that we wanted to do. Yeah. And also saw uh, Lake Como and Venice at the same time as we were driving to and from the Dolomites. And yeah, then we went back home to Finland so Tom could meet my family. And then from there back to Chamonix to finish off our holiday and do the big run. Dance it around. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot yes. of that travel can be like a bit exhausting as well. Do you did you find that it was like invigorating or do you find that it might have left you a little bit tired and maybe not been the taper? You know what I'm trying to ask? Like sometimes it can be actually like just so draining to do all yeah. the travel. Um, I actually felt quite good. I know, um, like after Italy, we'd been having like a tight schedule, all days were planned, etc. So when we came back 
Yeah, because when we went from Italy, we went also to Sweden to do a swim run race. <laughs> so we had that as well. And uh, then we uh, went via Stockholm and then to Finland to my parents. So when we came to Finland, I was like, I don't want to plan anything. I just want to be and go with the flow because that's the person I am and how I like to live, not plan like too much. Um, and especially when it's been so much planning for the like one and a half, half months before and alongside with training and stuff. So I was ready to relax at my parents' place before Chamonix. Um, yeah, but like training wise and stuff, obviously I could have slept better, um, longer, like I did sleep well, but then we always wanted to get up early because we were going to go and see the cool things and the Dolomites and have an uh, day out in Venice and have a look at that and whatnot. Um, so those kind of things, um, could have obviously been better, but I was still like, I was still good and trained and had a good balance, I would say enjoyed yourself as well like because that's super important too you haven't been back yeah. home like to be in all those places that's like kind of that little bit of like the bummer almost of um like traveling for such a big event like that that is so hard you're like oh my gosh I'm in these mountains I really want to explore and do all the things but I've got mm. that I've got to kind of like save myself for almost yeah so it's that like finding the balance of having a lot of fun but also okay not too much fun, not just yet. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So there was certainly, yeah, a balance to think about. Um, but it was great that we got that time with my parents. Um, and obviously they spoiled us with cooking food and everything so we could focus on family time and friend friends' time. And then they helped us with cooking food and uh, spoiling us in that way. And, yeah, so we got the training done, like, throughout the holiday. We always made it work. Um, alongside everything else so yeah no like I wouldn't change anything it was perfect that's so and good. I I think that's testament to you though Cecilia as well we talk about running and identity and you're not like a one-dimensional runner I think it would be very easy to travel to Europe thinking I am here for CCC and let that just take over everything but actually stepping back because I know you flew long haul and then got sick and that's why your Finland race didn't happen. So you, that was a disappointment. And then if I can go on a swim run tangent, do you want to talk like briefly about that? Because we talked about swim run in your first interview. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> so um, obviously this trip was going to be one of those trips that we're not going to have anytime soon again. So uh, Tom had a lot of leave to take out due to not being able to take it um, during COVID and stuff. So we're like, okay, we're just going to do everything we can um, to just get everything, what we feel like that we want to do and just go a bit bananas. Um, so we did. And then I was also then thinking, well, we might as well do a swim run because I love that sport and I want to introduce it to Tom and all these kind of things. So. We managed to get that one in, and it was an experience we won't forget. <laughs> Obviously, like like we all know, preparation is key. Like yes. sometimes you might be able to wing it, and you're like, "Whoa, this is awesome!" Yes, like, "Oh, great!" And some other times you can't wing it, and then it's really hard. <laughs> It was kind of what we did. We hadn't trained a lot. We did some training in, in the UK and 
didn't necessarily have like all the right gear that we should have had that had helped us, but we thought that, oh, we'll be fine. But um, yeah, it was just a hard day. And um, to describe it at one point, Tom was turned around because we were swimming behind each other. So I was behind him and he turned around and he's like, are we even moving forward? <laughs> like, I feel like we're going backwards. <laughs> And you can just see all these other swimmers just swim past like they're like some kind of, uh, what are these cute animals again? They're like a blob of mat, like a blob of animal seal. They were just swimming like beautiful seals through the water. And me and Tom are just trying to swim. forward and it's not going that great like the conditions first of all were really hard and when you haven't trained in those kind of areas um, and conditions at all it just was very tough um so get those conditions in newcastle well yeah if you swim in the ocean there's waves and stuff so we could have simulated somehow but also when we were on holiday and not close to like any good spots where you can get a good swim and training wavy water and stuff. Um, it was hard. And also to say like the conditions were super windy, obviously other like, uh, swim runners, they did, they had a great time and it looked strong anyway, but, uh, for, for us, it just didn't go as, as well. But, um, yeah, so first it was going to be one loop of like in total like 38Ks and which was 7K swimming and um, 30Ks running. And the longest swim was 550 meters. So everything was cut up in sections. And so we were going to do one loop of that. But due to the wind being so um, strong, they needed to do two loops of another course to cut out some of the very exposed areas. Um, but yeah, uh, our preparations were not great and obviously the running we did, um, okay. And we made through the swims, but we just were not fast enough. And yeah, I pulled the trigger and was like, I'm just happy with one lap. Like, I just don't feel like doing another lap and yeah. And we were also not really uh past we missed some i think we missed some cutoff i don't know by how much but they didn't pull us to the side but i was like um i don't think like we're gonna get any faster on the second lap so maybe just stop and yeah we just decided to stop there and be happy with this experience and yeah learn from it (laughs) very good let's just go back in we'll get warm have some wine (laughs) there was like uh jellyfish there so we got stung by the jellyfish and the guy who the organizer who was having their pre-race um uh announcement uh he was just like oh yeah there's jellyfish out there but they just give you a little love bite and i'm like yeah sure like I like that. I'm not worried about them. Like we come from Australia. Like we should worry more about these things here, but they actually stung. Like you could really, and like you could feel like there were heaps of them in certain places. And I was like, Oh, like they were all over my legs and you got them on their arms and it was burning for quite a while. Like when he says love bite, you think like a little sting, but that sting was, I feel a bit more than a love bite, but anyway. Okay. 
So that sounds hectic. The bigger picture, you went into CCC with essentially a DNS and a DNF. Yes, true. <laughs> I, know was... you, I know you, how like positive you are, but for some people, that could be a question of like how they're feeling and everything. I know it's probably different disciplines and health and everything else. But when it came to training on the course and like that prep, did that give you a boost of confidence? Altitude is something that we don't have either here like mm. how did that feel when you got into the mountains so the altitude I never really I don't think I got affected by it that much I don't know like just climbing the mountains because for the first uh part the first I think it's eight k's is just up so from the start you go through the, run through the town a little bit on flat and then you start slowly going up and it's a 1400 meter climb so that is like a, a tough start, if we say so. And it's easy, I think, to um, go too fast out in that section and then be cooked for the rest of the day. Um, yeah, so like my legs would always have felt like tired going uphill. So I don't know if that's if that's anything to, with altitude to do i don't know i just think it's uh, me not being used to climbing those big climbs but i think i haven't noticed anything with at, uh, altitude so for like chamonix is at thousand meter uh so it's not super high and i think the highest we go is about three thousand throughout the course okay. so it's not very high but people can and have gotten like um altitude sickness but I don't think it has affected me at all, mm. I could say. It seems to be a pretty random one in terms of how it impacts people. Kristen, you you will know more about this than I do being a mountain person. But it's, yeah. Do you feel like you had a benefit, though, from being on those trails and experiencing that environment before you went into the race? Oh, sorry. I uh, got... Um, um, what do you call it? A brain stop. <laughs> I, could, I listen. I I looked at you and listened to you, but I actually didn't hear what you said. Can Can I mention as well that you do have COVID right now? You have brought <laughs> oh, back yeah, the I gift of COVID from sorry. Europe. <laughs> I do have COVID, <laughs> so we do have but brain happening. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So uh, my brain is a bit, <laughs> and that's one of those moments. I'm just. Sitting there watching Sarah speak and not replying. <laughs> Did you feel the benefit of being out there before the race and experiencing that trails in that environment? 100%. Because I knew what I had ahead. So there's about five climbs in total. Um, and my biggest thing was like, okay, if I can get through the first climb and not be totally dead in my legs, it's a plus. And that's what I aimed uh, to have which I actually did. Uh, not that I had dead legs, but I did um, do as I planned, as I set off um, to do or plan to do. Gosh, I'm just speaking all over the place now. Anyway, my legs were not dead at the top of the 1,400 meter climb. Um, and that was super good. I was super stoked. And I was like, yes, um, now I know I have more, four more climbs. And the rest of the three climbs went good. But the last climb is... Um, about 
15 case left, maybe 16, 17 case left. And that was tough. Um, I saw Tom in Triant and I asked how many case it was left and he's like 20. And then I knew I had that big climb as well. And my legs were like cooked because um, he also needed to massage my legs at every aid stage or like every checkpoint because they were just so overworked. Um, but I managed to, yeah, hang in there due to knowing what I had left on the course and what I've experienced before. So yeah, hundred percent. If you want to have a bit of a chance to have a good day out there, you kind of should be doing some training on course beforehand. It's just so where we live, it's just so impossible to replicate here. Like you can do hill reps, but it's absolutely nothing compared to an eight kilometer climb with 1500 meters of bird or whatever. Like that's like, you have to run 20 Ks here to get that kind of vote. So it's really cool that you had that opportunity to do that and also share that with Tom. And then you mentioned that Tom was massaging your legs. So talk to us a little bit about what it's like. I mean, you and Tom are obviously really close. You had just gone through a DNF together. Um, what's the relationship like having your partner crewing you? Because, you know, you're super focused. You're, you're coming into the aid station. You did tell me a story that you kind of just shouted at him at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I didn't even realize I did that. Yeah, that was at the last checkpoint. Yeah. Um, where my legs obviously were cooked. And he's kind of like reading me and he's like, woohoo, like you're doing so great. And prior um, at the other eight stations, I've been like, woohoo, yeah, it's going so great. And at this last eight station, I'm like, I need a massage now. And it, well, I wasn't super harsh, but I was quite, quite firm. Straight away, I was like, my legs need a massage now. <laughs> um which he just thought was funny, like, because he didn't realize in the moment because you're both so focused. But when he looked, because he was also filming with the GoPro, so when he looked uh, backwards at it, he thought it was a bit funny how how things had changed from the previous checkpoint. <laughs> that would be amazing content to go back on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> need to see it's, if I can find it. I need and... a massage right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tom? <laughs> Especially because of how I associate you of just being so like bubbly and chatty when you come into checkpoints. Like I'm like, stop chatting. We need to keep you moving. Whereas it's like, oh, Cecilia, like boss bitch. Like, yes. <laughs> Massage them now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was getting um, obviously fatigued and the massaging really helped. Like, oh, it was so good uh, that he did that. Um and also, yeah, um, what was good also with this race, I always try to think um, like on from on my future me in the race, like if there's something now that I, I should try to fix straight away. And because that downhills were very steep, I did um, like break in my stride a little bit. And in my shoes, like... My feet were moving a little bit, so I got like I could feel blisters coming on under on both of my heels, under the heels, um, and they felt quite big. And I was like, "Oh, we need to do something about them because otherwise, if they break, it's gonna be really, really painful." And yeah, so we sorted that at the first um, aid station at Champelac at fifty three k's. So that was really good. That was like 
I'm not stressing in and out of the uh, checkpoints. I'm just gonna, we're gonna sort out what we need so I can keep on moving. So yeah, we sorted the boat blisters out. He massaged my leg there as well. And I checked my nutrition. Was He asked me questions like, is my gear okay? Is everything okay? Because also it can be quite hectic and you're very pumped. So sometimes you might forget what you're going to do there. But Tom was really good on asking like a few questions at every place to check that everything is fine um, and how I'm feeling and how I'm going. So that is really good because my brain is also like there's so many things to take in and you're super excited so I need kind of that kind of stuff where it's like you check certain questions off uh and Tommy's great as that at, at that so yeah that's a big growth point for you as well because I remember you finishing Black Hole 100 the first time I cruised you and your feet were a mess and I was like you could have told me but you were just like oh it's okay so that's pretty cool that it's like you're now looking after future Cecilia and albeit it's a different race when you're in the Alps versus Black Hole but that's a cool growth point for you if you hadn't realized that yes true actually um no I'm very happy with that because it I think it did say me a lot um yeah have feet always been something that you've had to like be concerned of what shoes do you run in uh not really so this took me really by surprise that I needed to like sort the blisters out usually I get blisters but I kind of just hang in there and they haven't been so like painful but um yeah and I run in ultra shoes mm-hmm. so usually I've been running in New Balance like an old model that you can buy for really cheap now which is good but my uh, the toe box is a bit narrow so my toenails always fall off and they're really sore at the end of a really like 100k race um so then i wanted to try ultra and see how they feel because i know that they have a wide two box toe box and i thought it would be good because running downhill so much i knew if i had my new balance shoes my like Oh, I don't know how my toes would have been after that run. Um, so therefore, I wanted to try the ultras, and they were awesome. I actually don't can't remember the name of the model, but um, their shoes, they all of their shoes seem to be quite great, and they're quite like um, a flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not much. Um, not much. much to yeah. 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 So you, when it's more technical trail, I kind of like to feel the trail as well. Mm-hmm. And the shoes I had were yeah, awesome. So good. That's cool. So you finished the race. Like, how did you feel at the end of it? So you mentioned a little bit of attrition in terms of your feet and stuff. And obviously at the very last climb, you needed a massage right before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you get to- and oh, yes. also, before you finish the race, and I know we've had this conversation, but did you have an idea of what we've talked about expectations of placing? You went from five to 10 to thinking, where was I going to be? Yeah. Did you know where you were in the field as you were approaching the finish line? No, I did not at all. And I had Tom also asked me like beforehand, do you, does, should he keep me updated or not? So we had these chats of like, so he knew what I might want of him. Um, so that's really good to do with a crew to just say, um, but and one of those things were that I don't want to know where in the field I am like only if there would be a chance like that I could 
run faster and they're like at the last aid station if there's maybe a female just two minutes ahead or something then maybe but um I didn't ask for it and I didn't want to know either and at the end when your legs are just so tired you just don't think about anything else than to just move forward um yes I didn't he didn't say anything either and I didn't ask him at the last aid station but I did run past a few females on the last bit which was kind of cool and a surprise yeah Yeah. you moved Um, up quite a few positions in that last stretch yeah yeah. so I was um happy about that um but yeah my I didn't have any idea where I was and that was fine um and where did you finish I finished 21st so I asked him as I came across the finish line um I was super stoked and so proud of myself so I didn't like it was just yeah um so crazy I was so stoked with everything and then I uh, like as we sat down I was like oh so what placing did I get and he's like 21st um which I was like oh well I take it it's maybe not as good as I like in the beginning have had uh many months ago I had like taught but when you I done my best and run like a good race where I pace myself perfectly and where I done my all and given my all I cannot be anything else but happy with that because that's where I'm at and I had a good day so I was like okay I take that and he's like I think it's great he also said um and we both agreed it was a good day out there and a 21st position is awesome in a massive field like that the women's field was stacked. It was also mm. your first time running that course. Mm. And so when you when you talk about pacing yourself perfectly, what does that look like? How do you pace yourself when you've never run the course before? You've never run such a mountainous course. How do you even judge that? Yeah, so obviously that's really hard to judge. Like we tried to figure out how long is it going to take for me to, for example, get to the first aid station where I can see Tom, which is 53Ks. We had a rough idea how long it took us to climb when we did uh, the recce like a month before that. So we had some assumptions um, about time there, but um, I was just very mindful of not to cook myself too early and um, climb steady, but not too steady, like not too fast and also... um, yeah, just go with my pace. And that was actually not so easy. It is so, like, people are passing you and there's female passing you. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, you're like, many people are like, oh, you can't let people run too far away from you because then you might, like, that might be it. Like, it's harder to catch on. But then again, um, if I would have gone with them, I might have not been able to have a strong finish or I could have bonked or whatever. Um, so I was really mindful of just running my own race. And f- fair enough, I ran pa- past a few of them that passed me um, eventually. And yeah, I just tried to find my own pace, which was what I did. I love, and also I know again that you are incredible at running your own race. So for you to say that was hard, it's like for for other people that's going to be like eleventy billion <laughs> times harder because you were so good with your head game in that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, no, I'm very, that's why I'm, yeah, very proud of the run. Because, yeah, obviously you feel certain urges and, yeah, you might be thinking like, oh, I should do that like them or something. But no, just do your own race. It's such a trap, isn't it? Yeah, because exactly like what you said, you never know what's going to happen. If you did kind of hang on to somebody, you could have bonked or like gone out too hard and then you wouldn't have finished uh-huh. strong. Like the fact that you can run your own race is actually a huge testament to probably a mature runner that you are because you've done so much um, and had so many experiences in it as well. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, then I guess coming back to the finish line um, conversation. So again, I've crewed you for 200 kilometer races. I've seen you jump over the finish line, finish strong, looking freaking amazing. And then <laughs> that's that's when I'm like, hells yeah, I would love to run 100Ks. And then the aftermath happens and I'm like, no way in hell am I running 100Ks because Cecilia goes from champion, jumping, <laughs> bright, bubbly human to small shell of self. <laughs> so how was it in this instance? What did Tom have to deal with? <laughs> Well, I was on a high for 15 minutes probably after the race. And then as we are getting ready to leave the finish line and we've taken in the the atmosphere there, we start walking back to the Airbnb and I'm slowly starting to feel like, oh, I don't feel that great. And also like already on the run, like as I climbed the last climb, if I was pushing too hard, I started to feel a bit sick. Um, so I was a bit on the verge there already and had to walk for a few Ks as well until it actually passed. But clearly it cut, uh, caught me again and I started feeling really sick walking back to Airbnb. And yeah, I was puking on the side of the road, cars driving past and therefore we thinking, oh my God, what are these runners doing to themselves? Running for such long distances and this is the aftermath. <laughs> feeling sick and puking on the side of the road um these guys are coming back from the party and they were just at the same place as you but they didn't run 100k and they're probably feeling much better (laughs) yes oh my god yeah i felt so sick gosh because it didn't end there it was terrible i think my body because i do train with my nutrition and gels but not that I ever train with a lot. I have one here or there and stuff, but I think it was just too much for my body. And also running that distance and everything, um, it was just a total shock. So, yeah, I couldn't even drink water because it all came back up. So it was like I had a hangover, like really, because that's how my hangovers used to be back in the day when I was drinking um alcohol and stuff um and getting drunk and that was my next day i could not drink water or anything and now i'm feeling the same way it was terrible i was like well this is not nice like you run 100ks and then you also fish like this afterwards um you wish to feel a bit better but yeah on the other 100ks that sarah has screwed me on I've had like been feeling a bit bad maybe one or two hours afterwards and then I'm fine and I've been able to drink water and eat food but this time nothing it went down and it went on for like that for the next yeah five hours six hours and then I was able to drink some water and obviously I didn't sleep much either and yeah it wasn't great and the next day I got a few hours of sleep eventually, was able to eat some food here and there. But the next day was also like the hangover day 
to where you get coming back to life, but it goes a bit up and down. You feel good, and then it hits you again, and then you feel good, and it hits you again. So that was the next day as well. Plus, my body was mega sore. It has not been ever that sore. Ever. Yeah, we're really bringing advocates on for this. Like, this is <laughs> oh, no. running. Like, Megan would, like, show it. She showed us her, like, scars that she Shape. had from her back, from her chest. No! She was talking about her feet. Like, she couldn't mm. sleep. She couldn't move. And then we've got Cecilia puking on the side of the road after 100K. Like, guys, this is a welcoming sport. Everybody should be involved. <laughs> yes, it is so much fun. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, it is amazingly fun, and the aftermath might not be as fun. But then the amazing thing is that we're human and we forget. We do, don't we? We've got a very yeah. short attention span. So, <laughs> are you going to do it again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have forgotten how sick I felt. And now when I look back to it, it probably wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, no, no. I was, just, I was just being a baby. It was fine. I'll do it again. Yeah. I think it's like the pre the prerequisite to be an endurance athlete is having a really shit memory. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's just like, yeah, that was amazing. It's like, no, I have a text from Tom that says she's broken, but we will fix her. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that um, was me. I was broken. Well, Tom's amazing. You're fixed. We're, we're back in the game. Ready? To yeah. Go. Oh, it's crazy. Like even he said, cause um, he's seen me have quite for me quite a bad um what is it called when you get food food poisoning yeah but he said that that was like this this thing after the race was even worse and i'm like what really but yeah in his opinion i i looked a bit worse than that so there we go but yeah it's all forgotten now and i'm excited to run again (laughs) (laughs) i love that of course (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have to say that was one of the coolest things I I talked to you the other day, Cecilia. And there's a lot of like post like people experience post race blues or you know, there's so much that comes when you've prepped so hard for a race, you've run it, so many different emotions that follow. But what you said to me was like you are so pumped to keep running. Yes. Like um yeah, my running love just grew because sometimes um, like I've had after some other races, I felt like, oh, it's going to be nice to have a little bit of a break, like mentally, mainly, but also for the body. Uh, but this time is so different. And I'm wondering if it's also due to how the pre-training like before the whole thing, like being on holiday, being surrounded by family and stuff like that. Um because now it's like super strong and I don't think I felt this kind of longing to get back to training after a 100k race. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I love like how I felt. Um, like my body feels good now and my like mental health is still like super great and strong. So yeah, no, that's really nice. That's, That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. It, I, I hate asking questions of what's next, but is there anything on your horizon? Um, yeah. So I um, I wanted to do Ultra Trail Cape Town. But like the flight tickets, as a lot of people who are maybe flying overseas to see family, holidays, etc., the flight tickets have gone up 
like crazy. So I'm not going to go there just yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do instead. I actually signed up for Ultra Trail Kosciuszko in yes, December. Yes, that's yeah. awesome. Which distance, yeah. Cecilia? Huh? Which distance? So the 100K. Amazing. Yeah. So this is a brand new event that's coming to Australia, Ultra Trail Cosy. And yeah, there is a 100 mile event, which is why I asked. I know 100K is your wheelhouse, I feel. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be super exciting. Brand new course. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Big new adventure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Yeah, I thought I want to do, since my race season this year only started like a few weeks ago at Triple C, so I feel like I have more to give. So, yeah, and UTA is a bit too close. And then I'm also crewing for Tom, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes, how I do crewing. <laughs> <laughs> A bit of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Plan so, some things and <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was thinking this. Is Tom gonna take the lead with the planning and just be the you're gonna be the like receiver of that advice, I feel? Because this is his strength, I feel. Like <laughs> Yeah. He's probably gonna do the planning and then walk me through it and tell tell uh, tell me how things are gonna go. <laughs> no, I will try to um uh, do a crew job and try to do my own planning first and then he can show his planning and then we'll see if it matches but um no I'm super excited it's actually gonna be so cool to also crew and be on the sidelines and see all the cool runners and people out there giving a nut and yeah it's gonna be awesome especially because you've run that race that like you know the course and then you get to see Tom experience it I am yeah. so excited for this yeah, it's going to be so cool. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, yes, I won't be, I might do the 22K run there to just throw in some shorter. Um, and yeah, that'll be it, I think, for this. There might be some other races around here that maybe are like 50K that I could do, but I haven't had time to look up for it yet. But definitely going to do the ultra trail cosy so that's going to be interesting with a new event in australia mm, that'll be so super fun um, yeah would you ever consider running 100 miles or are you happy with your 100k distance so in my mind obviously this is all obviously prior to have been to chamonix and um experienced all that so my plan was that i was gonna do if i could i would have wanted to do utmb like the 170k next year but i didn't realize that you actually need to probably do a miler prior to that to qualify oh okay Are you i'm not sure GDS or actual utmb actual utmb yeah, i didn't know you had to do a miler beforehand i'm not sure okay. but if you don't that would be great but anyway because i would love that to be my first miler okay. i don't know why but i just think it would be Yes, I want to do that one okay. as my first, if the, it is possible. But then in my head, obviously, I had like, oh, I'm going to do it ne- next year, 2023. But um, now when I've experienced like and how hard it is actually to run those kind of mountains, I'm like, oh, I might need to wait another year uh, for that. So no milers ahead yet, but maybe 2024. We'll see. We'll see. I feel quite like I want to explore. So I want to do some random event, but I don't know if that's going to be like, yeah, a miler or if it's going to be running. Like, what are these called when you run one lap 
Like last for, standing type. Event. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. But then yeah. I might run quite far, who knows, or then mm. not. But I feel a bit like I want to explore. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Cool. I love that. Uh, That'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, I am conscious of time, my favorite phrase. I do have myself one other question about CCC is if you were talking to someone else who has an entry to CCC for next year, what piece of advice would you give them? Let's let's imagine they're based in Australia. Okay. Oh, it's so hard because, like, the advice I want to give is you need to go there as early as you can mm. to do a part of the course. Like, if you don't know what you're getting into and you're not trained in that, that kind of environment, it might be really hard for you. Yeah. Um, and then also, you don't know if you're going to react to elevation. And they say that if you do, you should go there, like not arrive earlier than maybe two days before so the body doesn't have time to realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or then, yeah, I've heard so that people, that that's one way you can do it. So you just get in and do the run and the body doesn't have time to react to the elevation. Um uh, or then that you go there earlier to not react as much. But, um, yeah, that would be my advice. And I know that's not an opportunity many people have. They don't have, like, there was I saw guys from Australia there who just, I don't know, spent just over a week there. And that was it. Um, but then they also did have a good day. So... If you go, if you're not able to go there, I would say to just be super cautious with your um, race pace and take it down a notch from what you usually would take it down. So double that a little, yeah, I would say so. Be conservative. Mm-hmm. Mm. My when I'm- Somebody gave me this saying for my very first 100K, and I actually use it for almost all of my events. It's the first half, don't be an idiot. Second half, don't be a wimp. (laughs) But to (laughs) not be a wimp, like you do have to be really conservative for your first half. And so even I use it even in a 5K now, (laughs) like 5K all the way up to my 100Ks. Um, Yeah, that's like my favorite saying. So I I like that conservative piece because I do think that that's when you see a lot of people in almost literally, again, from like 5K to 100 miles. That's how people blow up is they just go out too fast and they don't pace themselves. So, again, I think that's a a great piece of advice and a very mature piece of advice as well. (laughs) Yeah. Like, obviously, you can go there and give it your all straight away. But I feel like that's maybe what elites do because they – are actually there to go all in and they need to reach these um, goals that they have, etc. So they can maybe afford to, not that you shouldn't say that, they obviously all want to finish, but there is more at... Um, well, that's also a the bigger risk. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's all performance yeah. and stuff. So yeah, yeah like, exactly. Whilst if you're not elite... <laughs> Or getting paid to do it, like there's probably not that much pressure on like needing a certain time or getting a certain position. So if you want to experience it and not DNF, then I would, yeah, be conservative. <laughs> Otherwise, because it sucks either way to do a DNF. But if you don't, yeah, 
if you don't need to, you sh- shouldn't get yourself to that point. Yeah, control yeah. as many of the controllables as you can, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Cool. Um, is there anything else that you want to add on your experience at CCC before we go into our last couple of questions, Cecilia? Um, yes, just pre-race, um, pre-race nervous, uh, what do you call it? Anxiety and stuff. Like a lot of people obviously have that. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it's like maybe a local race or a big event like this, people have it. Um, and for me, I was just very scattered a few days before I was just thinking about Friday and because it's something I haven't experienced before, a new race, and I was just all over the place, and only, like, I couldn't really stay present, and it was a bit frustrating that I was so a bit consumed about the Friday, and how it's gonna go, and how will I feel, etc., and then I went back to, like, doing meditation and breath work a few days before, and I thought, like, and then I felt so present again. It was amazing it just did wonders um and I felt so calm and I wasn't yeah thinking ahead and I was able to enjoy the days that I had prior to the race and even on the bus to the race I also listened to like uh, some meditation to calm me down make me confident and not be too nervous and stuff and so that's my tips uh do some meditation and breath work if you have some pre-race nervousness nerve how do you say pre-race anxiety i don't know yeah yeah and actually you've reminded me and i haven't told you this but i had a couple of people i don't know how we had this conversation but a couple of people reached out to me on instagram because you shared this in your stories yeah and a couple of people reached out and were like wow that's such an interesting share but they're not familiar with meditation and breath work and obviously this is something i love do you want to give us, in a nutshell, what that meditation and breath work looks like for you? So uh, the meditation I follow, I, um, I pay for a subscri- subscription on Insight Timer. Yeah, and which is awesome. Yeah, I really like it. And you can search for like different kind of meditations there. So obviously, it depends on what kind of meditation you like. And there's different people there. Um sharing so there's people in different um it's an app that collects heaps of people that create their meditation um like guided meditation yeah guided yeah. meditation so you just find someone that sounds good in your ear that you like and also they have certain that you can google for like before you go to bed or for just every morning or for if you need an ego boost or confident boost, you can uh, have those as well. So I listened to some that's for athletes that I thought was good, but also one where you um, focus on on the day ahead and taking you back to the present. So you, uh, they go through how your body might feel and that you need to relax your shoulders and all that kind of stuff. So I mix a bit of everything in there, and with the there also you do a bit of not breath work as I was referring to, but you do focus on your breath and take that into consideration. But also I did some Wim Hof breath work because I, yeah, because I think I had a headache. Did I say that? I think, yeah. That's what you shared in your stories is having, yeah, that stress and that headache. Yeah, Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so I had a bit of a headache and felt a bit crap. Um, 
so I was like, well, I I know before that doing some Wim Hof breath work where you do like the um, uh, 35 breaths like in and out and then you hold your breath for as long as you can um, and then you do that a couple of times. And I know before that that has uh, helped me with um, like getting away with headaches and stuff. Um, sometimes meditation helps to, for that as well. It didn't this time, so I also did some breath work. And I did, yeah, three rounds of Wim Hof breath work, and it was amazing. Like, it was so good. Yeah, that's cool. Did you do the ice bath or anything else, like, straight afterwards? (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could have. I probably would have. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But no, I couldn't. I did that um, on the Sunday after the race. Yeah, nice. (laughs) No, it's that on Saturday then. No, on Saturday I did that. I went to the river where the glacier water goes through, setting that. So that was kind of my ice spot. But a few days later. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm for anybody listening who does breath work and meditation or, or you don't. <clears throat> maybe I'm speaking more of the people who don't. I don't do very much either. But I found that I resonated a little bit more with Wim Hof because it felt a little bit more active. So it wasn't just like, all right, breathe in and breathe out. You, you feel like you actually have some intention behind it. Sarah's mm. laughing at me. <laughs> there is intention yes, in are. all breath work. Yes, I, I understand that. I, I get it. I get it. For whatever reason, Wim Hof also resonated with me because it just felt more active. So it's more powerful. Feel, yeah, if you feel like you're like, oh, I don't know if I've got like 10 minutes to spare on just breathing. Wim Hof felt like you were doing something. <laughs> Sarah, stop! <laughs> I'm covering my face. I'm like, can we do an episode on breath work where we do just actually appreciate just breathing? <laughs> we're breathing now. Exactly. All the it's time. A, it's a more like physical, yeah, form of breath work for sure. <laughs> if you're not into the yin quiet style but we'll do some cacao and breath work sometime Kristen too and then you'll see how beautiful that can be also well, I'm having cacao on Saturday right <laughs> yeah, that's right we're going to a Philomene party and we're going to do some breath work is, so yeah. let's see how that is <laughs> woohoo <laughs> exciting all right however it's a great message also that meditation and breath work are free resources potentially I know you pay for a subscription but I use insight timer for free and there's heaps on there as well so if anyone's yeah. interested, it's a good place to start. It's almost overwhelming because there's so many things, but you can search for topics. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, resource. yeah. A lot of there is free, and I used to have it on the free, but then I wanted some specific out of it, so I, I started paying for it. Yeah. But also, like um, Wim Hof has an app which I use, and I do also pay for. But you can download the app, and you get like a, a few free stuff through the app where you can do some of the breath works he does, etc. Um, but also you can find that on YouTube. So if you just want where he explains what you need to do and then hold your breath and stuff like that, um, if you want it guided, you can Google on, no, Google on YouTube, look up on YouTube and there will be stuff for you guys. Awesome. Mm. All right. Do we go into our final almost question? So I guess for context, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, um, we do ask our guests about their wild we. Um, this came out of the fact that I used to coach um, little girls mountain biking with a friend of mine, Jackie. And um, yeah, when we were coaching the session, um, the little girls would come up and say that they need um, to go to the toilet, but there are no toilets and they'd ask for a wild wee. So Cecilia, did you have any wild wees on your CCC experience? 
<laughs> oh my gosh. So, yes, I did. And I did just, yeah, on the side of the trail in a bush. It was fine. Some people ran past, but it's not like nobody cared really. But the funny thing is I actually ran and, oh, God, I'm sharing so much now, but I ran and peed myself. And I hoped that there would come more rain, and there didn't. And then Tom had to massage my legs and smell me. <laughs> smell like we. <laughs> That's I, feel Tom, I feel for Tom so much, poor thing. Oh, that is true love. My goodness. I just snorted and I'm coughing. Oh my god, I did not know this. this no, I can't believe I that was. I wasn't gonna say this, but now it came out. But I thought, yeah, it was a bit fun because I was like, okay, I, I'm gonna save time where I can. Yeah. Checkpoints are important for me to get my legs massaged and stuff. But then, so I was like, I'm not going to stop and wee anymore. I'm just going to run because it was raining before. So I thought it was going to rain again. And then it just all washes away. But that's it. These are skills. Like, I, you know, when I was in triathlon, everyone talked about this. Like, I just can't do it. So congratulations. <laughs> no. This is incredible. And you could pee in a wetsuit as well. It's probably how from, from swim run. Yeah, uh, exactly. True. It was all your practice. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. I'm pretty sure that your wildest wee was on a swim run in your wetsuit. <laughs> yeah. And oh this God. time on a 100K race. Yeah. <laughs> same, same, different. <laughs> With your loved one massaging your legs. After. Yeah. Uh, this is true bonding. So and when he was massaging, I was like, uh, I was going to tell him. But then there was people around. I'm like, oh, God, I can't. Because they were waiting on from their athletes. I was like, oh, I shouldn't say. So I said it half. And he's like, he knew what I was going to say. He's like, yeah, yeah. And just massaging the legs. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, what can you do? A crew does what a crew must do. So... <laughs> Yeah, Be I've never gone to those lengths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. All right. Yeah. If anyone wants to reach out to you and chat about running or CCC, I know you're super open. Can you remind us what your, well, the best place to contact you, which I'm thinking is probably Instagram. What is your Instagram handle? Yeah, so my Instagram is just my name, Cecilia Metas. And yeah, message me there. And I'm happy to talk about experience or any running relating stuff and yeah awesome oh. it has been so much fun to talk to you i hope that you feel better soon and can't wait to see you in person soon we're having a bit of an all girls camping trip coming up in a couple of months which is going to be so good but yeah lots of love to you incredible performance cecilia like seriously you crushed and i cannot wait to see what you can do next year as well yeah i don't think that we actually said it but a huge congratulations yeah like, huge congrats massive oh well, thank you it's guys yeah. it was yeah. so lovely to chat to you guys as always and i can't wait to meet you in person <laughs> Lots of love. soon in a few months we'll Can't get to hug it. each other yeah we will. so good yeah. good job everybody awesome. Thank you, you two guys. Take care. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours podcast 
or email us at into the wee hours podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear nay idea, and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people, and Kristen is at Kristen Vodden. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash intothewehourspodcast. Happy adventuring, and we will talk to you next time.